This message by Bill Kittrell was recorded during a Sunday celebration service for Cornerstone Church of Knoxville. Bill serves as a senior pastor on staff at Cornerstone Church. The second book in the Old Testament, Exodus chapter 20. We're in a series on the Ten Commandments. Today we'll be on the First Commandment. And we will read Exodus 20, verses 1 through 3. If you are here without a copy of the Scriptures, if you'll raise your hand, our ushers will give you a free copy of the Bible, and you can take that home with you today. But we want you to be able to follow along as we read and proclaim God's Word. This is God's Word. It's inerrant. It's inspired. It's authoritative in our lives, and we want to give careful attention to it this morning. So Exodus chapter 20, verse 1. And God spoke all these words, saying, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. The main point today, I think, the Lord wants us to leave with, is love the Lord your God all your heart. Love the Lord your God with all your soul, with all your mind, and all your strength. In his little book on the Ten Commandments, Kevin DeYoung asks a series of what he calls diagnostic questions to help us grow from our study of this first commandment. Whom do you praise? Maybe you compliment your children, your spouse, your friends. But who receives your highest praise? Whom do you count on? Obviously, God works through many means. He works through doctors, mechanics, AAA, parents. But when you're really in trouble, who do you trust to rescue you? Whom do you call for? Where do you look for help? Where do you turn to for joy and contentment? Is it the Lord your God? Or is it food? Work, TV, your phone? Whom do you thank? Where, Where does a good day come from? All the rich blessings in your life. All the things... The Lord your God gives you. Who do you thank Him for? Questions like these do help to reveal the the functional gods. As David Pallison, great biblical counselor, once said, the functional gods in our lives. Notice again verse 1. God spoke all these words saying, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. 
This is the introduction to the whole law of, law of God, including the first commandment. And here at the very outset, God is ensuring that no one should despise the majesty of His law. He is the Lord, your God. The world, everything in the world is His. He rules over His creation. He rules over us. He is the King of the whole earth. All of creation is His dominion. Queen Elizabeth, the United Kingdom, celebrated her platinum jubilee, her 70th year reigning as queen last weekend. She ascended into the throne in 1952, which means she's been queen of the United Kingdom my whole life. While she's been queen, there have been 14 prime ministers, including her first Winston Churchill, one of my favorites. She's met with 13 of the last 14 presidents. Think about it, 14 presidents. She, she began with Truman, Harry S. Truman. Last year, President Biden went to have tea with her at Windsor Castle. It's, it's called the ultimate photo op. When he was 80 years old, Churchill said this about Queen Elizabeth. Our island no longer holds the same authority or power that it did in the days of Queen Victoria, which he could remember. A vast world towers up around it, and after all our victories, we could not claim the rank we hold were it not for the respect for our character and good sense and general admiration, not untinged by envy for our institutions and way of life. I wish I could speak like that. All this has already grown stronger and more solidly founded during the opening years of the present reign. That was Queen Elizabeth II. And I regard it as the most direct mark of God's favor we have ever received in my long life, that the whole structure of our new formed commonwealth has been linked and illuminated by a sparkling presence at the summit. Oh, come on, that's good. The, the Journal of Winston Churchill a monthly publication they wrote recently. When, when Churchill looked upon the Queen's picture in a newspaper, he murmured, the country is so lucky. And they ended by saying, exactly so, we should be less shy of acknowledging the fact. I want to acknowledge the fact, okay? Queen Elizabeth II is a sparkling presence at the summit. I confess, I love her. I can't help but like her. I think she's wonderful. A member of the Royal Historical Society wrote, the queen who admired Billy Graham might be dismayed by the decay of public morals in the U.S. and the weakening influence of Christianity in particular. She does claim to be a Christian. She might suggest 
that Americans look to their duty to God and each other, which she should, but protocol forbids her to say it. I love her reserve. I love her self-control. I love that she does things motivated by something besides self-interest. I love her dignity. I love her Zoom calls with her great-grandchildren, Harry's kids. Even though Harry should be, never mind. (laughs) Self-control, reserve. She seems to do what is right when it isn't easy. I love her clothes. Or those pastels, I don't know colors, but I love her hats. I confess at times, I wish we were still a colony. I know the 4th of July is coming up. I may be the guy at the parade that yells, God save the queen! You hear it? It's me. She is a fine monarch. She is a sparkling presence at the summit. It's a mark of God's favor on the UK. I, I believe that. But we must remember, she has a king. The Lord is her king. Churchill was right. It is the Lord's grace, his favor, that gives a good queen. His dominion is the whole earth, every nation. He rules. He is our king. And this is the meaning of the first commandment. Kevin DeYoung took his four points from the reformers. We all plagiarize, including him. We can can summarize how to respond. I think the reformers were right to this first commandment by saying, we owe God four things. And we're going to look at these. We should praise God. We should count on God. We should call for God. And we should thank God. Number one, we should praise God. The first commandment, verse 3, you shall have no other gods before me. Literally, before my face, in my presence, no other gods. We respond to the first commandment by agreeing with the Lord that he has the right to rule us. His rule is just and good. We give Him our adoration. We praise Him. We worship Him. This is how we respond according to His word. The first commandment insists we worship Him alone. We submit to His greatness. There is none like Him. He is the majestic King of all the earth, and we are his people. And we should submit to his greatness and honor him. I am the Lord, verse 2, your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, who brought you out the house of slavery, the house of slaves. I brought you out of bondage. He introduces his law, By telling of the blessings that he gives to his people. 
Why? Because he wants to stir them up to obey his commands. And it should stir us up. I am the Lord, your God. It's not just that he describes himself, but he motivates them by, based on what he has done for, for them. He, he goes to his relationship with them. He's their God, the one who liberated them. The Lord brought them out. He freed them. And this first commandment is based on what he did for them. He saved them. He has a claim on their lives. They didn't save themselves. No other so-called God saved them. The Lord defeated Egypt. He carried them on eagles' wings. They should praise Him for their deliverance. They should acknowledge Him. He rescued them from the house of slaves. Egypt is a type of spiritual captivity. We all, every one of us, should be able to relate to this. That verse is for us this morning. We all suffer as slaves of Sin, and it's the Lord's strong arm that rescues us. Kelsey, I, I cannot thank you enough for that testimony. I hope you feel God's support. I hope you feel his pleasure. You had the wonderful opportunity this morning to praise and honor God for his deliverance. It really affected me. I bet it affected everybody in this room. You honored the Lord. I hope you go home today. What a great day to give your testimony. We should praise God. So let's pause for a minute. We just spent about 30 minutes singing songs. I had the advantage because I had been preparing this message and meditating on this command. But if you could go back and review the songs. Wow. Wow. All the saints adore you. Holy. Set apart. Holy. Three times holy. For emphasis. Underline. Exclamation point. Highlighted. How did you participate? Were you distracted? Were you affected in your soul? Did you genuinely praise him from the heart? Did you lift your hands in submission to him? Did you clap? Did you give him a hand clap? Even though the guy next to you thought you were weird? <laughs> no other God saved you. He rescued you. He has carried you on eagle's wings. We should praise him. Amen. The Lord delivered his people. From Pharaoh's cruel and oppressing rule. And he, he rescues all of us who are united to Christ by faith today. In the heart of every believer, we should have a desire to hear the law of God and obey it. You shall have, again, verse 3, you shall have no other gods before me. This is the first word. Okay, it doesn't say commandment in the text. Later in Exodus, 
It will be called the first commandment. But it's, it's the first word that God spoke. You shall not have other gods in my presence. It's, it's a command for exclusive praise. Old Testament scholar Desmond Alexander says, The significance of the first word cannot be overstated. It was in a world dominated by polytheism, many gods. The affirmation that the Israelites were to recognize no other gods establishes the foundation upon which all monotheistic religious traditions are based. All religious traditions where there's one God are based on this commandment. Every other nation believed in many gods, but not this one. We should be motivated to obey God because we, we see and understand that it's through His mercy, through His grace, that we've been freed from deception and false religion, from the pit of hell. The most important thing about our faith is who we believe in. This is Him. It's being revealed to us. The first commandment isn't simply to ensure that God is recognized as great and glorious, majestic and powerful. It's not just simply to say and communicate we believe in certain attributes of God. The first commandment demands that he be worshipped alone. He is the only God. There is one God and excludes all others. Not, not a popular commandment in our culture. He is unique. He's all glorious. He's totally self-sufficient. There is none like him. All the rules for humility do not apply to him. If you're uncomfortable with him asking for praise or making these demands, they don't. He's different. He's transcendent. He's above all earthly powers. He's above all human beings. John Piper has worked hard to help us understand this. He says, God is the one being in all the universe. For whom seeking his own praise is the ultimately loving act. For him, self-exaltation is the highest virtue. When he does all things for the praise of his glory, he preserves for us and offers to us the only thing in all the world that can satisfy our longings himself. What could he give us to, to enjoy that would make him the most loving? Himself. When he protects the truth that he is the only God, it's love. That's the emphasis of the whole Old Testament. The Lord is the God of all the earth and he desires that all false religion not be allowed among his people because it's not true it'll it'll veil his glory it'll keep us from the joy that comes from 
seeing him as he truly is. You shall have no other gods before me. It isn't implying, it isn't, the first commandment isn't implying that there are other gods. That's not the point. The truth is, there are no other gods. There's one true God. This is what Paul was getting at in 1 Corinthians 8. Therefore, as to the eating of food offered to idols, we know that an idol has no real existence and that there is no God but one. For although there may be so-called gods in heaven or on earth, as indeed there are many gods and many lords, yet for us there is one God, the Father, for whom are all things and for whom we exist, and one Lord, Jesus Christ, through whom are all things, and through whom we exist. So-called gods do not exist. But there are false gods. And you shall have no other gods before me, says the Lord. Kevin DeYoung, the, good, the God of the Bible is not simply interested in being recognized as a strong and mighty deity. That would not have been a controversial claim in the ancient world. Lots of people had lots of impressive gods and goddesses. What was controversial, what set the Israelites apart from the other nations, was that their God demanded to be worshipped alone as the only God to the exclusion of all others. Such an important commandment in our culture. And as a church, we have to obey this command. You either worship God alone or you don't worship God at all. It's a remarkable commandment in light of the polytheism, the that, that all the nations around Israel all had many gods. It's remarkable. Secondly, in response to the first commandment, we should count on God. We should count on God. We should trust Him. We place all the weight of our hope for the future, both in this life and the next, in Him. That's the goal of the first commandment. It's to reveal that God wants to be supreme in our hearts. Wants to be first. Not among many. Only. The only God we trust. Our only hope. God's people throughout Scripture constantly tempted to put their trust in something else. To count on something else for rescue. Remember Jeremiah 24. I'm sorry, Joshua 24. Joshua says, Now therefore fear the Lord and serve Him in sincerity and in faithfulness. Put away the gods. So God's people. Other gods. Put away the gods that your fathers served beyond the river and in Egypt and serve the Lord. Serve Him exclusively. Remember Elijah on Mount Carmel. He came near to all the people and said, How long will you go limping between two different opinions? If the Lord is God, follow Him. But if Baal, then follow Him. 
Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6, No one can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. You cannot serve God and relationships. You can't serve God and food. You can't. No one can serve two masters. You shall have no other gods in my presence before my face. We usually aren't tempted to just one day wake up and completely forsake the Lord. Our temptation is to smuggle in other things we count on. That's where we have to let the first commandment do its work today. No other gods. Exclusive. Yeah, he's first, but I count on my money. I count on my friends. You can't truly trust God alongside anything else. You can't have two masters. Jesus said in Mark chapter 12, one of the scribes came up and heard him disputing with one another and seeing that he, Jesus answered them well, asked him, which commandment is the most important of all? Jesus didn't say the Ten Commandments no longer matter. He answered and said, the most important is, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. That's the main point today. You shall have no alien gods before my face, in my presence. No other gods that you put your trust in. One God, the Lord, He rescued you. He promises to rescue you in the future. You count on Him alone. When you're in trouble, you count on Him. The first commandment says, don't be anxious. Count on Him. Rest in Him. And Him alone. The Heidelberg Catechism says idolatry is having or inventing something in which one trusts in place of or alongside of the only true God who has revealed himself in his word. Idolatry is inventing something that we count on. And we, we don't tend to think of idolatry as being an issue today. You don't see people in your neighborhood, you know, carving wooden idols and sacrificing animals to them. So we don't think of idolatry as a big deal. But in, in, in John's first letter, the Apostle John in the New Testament, his last verse in 1 John is, Little children, keep yourselves from idols. Old Testament and New Testament warns God's people about idolatry. Inventing things that we trust in, we count on. 
It, it's always been a problem. It's attractive. There's something tangible we can trust in. Besides the one true God, it makes sense. It's easy. It's normal. It's man-made religion. It's made by man for man. It's entertaining. It's satisfying. It's easier. It's practical. The first commandment means we got to be careful. We got to guard our hearts. Because of the first commandment, one of the things that the reformers objected to in the church was the veneration of people as saints. Now, when we sing about all the saints adore thee, we're talking about believers. It's different than this. That the church was calling people saints after they died in kind of a godlike way. And this, this practice continues in the Catholic Church, not in Protestant churches, because the Reformers, because of the first commandment, objected. Today there are 10,000 saints, roughly, recognized by the Catholic Church. It's just a holy person. They lived a holy life, often very good people. And, and when they die, they're assumed to be in heaven, and then there's this process that identifies them, and they, their lives are formally celebrated. Some of them are martyrs, some of them are queens, kings, missionaries, widows, theologians, scholars. You may remember Mother Teresa. She died in 1997. She was venerated as a saint. She helped poor people in India. Or you may have heard of St. Jude Hospital. St. Jude is the patron saint of impossible causes. A patron saint. There's patron saints for certain occupations. And, and you will, you're encouraged to pray to that saint. To call on them. To trust in them when you need help in that profession. Saint, saint Patrick, we've all heard of him. He was a patron saint of Ireland. There's no snakes in Ireland. I've been there twice. It is said that Saint Patrick cursed the snakes in Ireland. His feast day is March 17th, Saint Patty's Day. I've never seen a lot of feasting. I've seen a lot of green beer on Saint Patty's Day. It's good to honor exemplary believers. But the reformers saw this violated the first commandment. And saints are praised and saints are counted on. They're prayed to. In, in 1998, I went to Ukraine and we went to an Eastern Orthodox church and they celebrate the saints. And it was a monastery and under the monastery were catacombs and you would walk through these hallways. It was extremely claustrophobic. And they had mummified saints, and people were praying to them. Today, I mean, that was 1998. They still do that today. This violates the first commandment. His glory cannot be shared. 
my friend and our friend Jerry Bridges who's gone to be with the Lord. Before he died, he was speaking at a church and they gave him this glowing introduction. And after they gave him the introduction, the whole place, and it was hundreds and hundreds of people, they exploded in applause. And as soon as it ended, deadpan. I'm reminded of Isaiah 42, verse 8. I am the Lord, that is my name, my glory I give to no other, nor my praise to carved idols. People laughed, thought that was funny. He was not joking. He wanted nothing to do with that. Number three, in response to the first commandment, we should call for God. We should pray. We, we respond to this. You shall have no other gods before me through prayer. We call on God. We call on Him for forgiveness. We call on Him for pardon. We, we call on Him, the sovereign Lord, the judge, the redeemer. Because we trust Him. It's the most tangible expression of trusting God is prayer. If, if, if we would respond rightly to the first command, we will pray. We will call for God to help us. He is the only God. Psalm 50, verse 15. Call upon me in the day of trouble. I will deliver you and you will honor me. That's the way it works. Because there is none like Him. He is the one and only true God. And that's why God's people pray. And it glorifies Him. And it's a great deal. We're in trouble. We pray to Him. He delivers us. And we honor Him. We ask for His help. When we're in trouble, we call out. There is none, no one else we go to. He's the one we count on. It's what Peter's talking about in 1 Peter 5 when he says, Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God. He's the sovereign. He's the king. He has the power. Humble yourself under his mighty hand so that at the proper time he may exalt you, he may rescue you, deliver you, casting all your anxieties to him. Because He cares for you. It's an expression of humility when we, when we pray. At the end of this meeting, we're going to have what we call Second Sunday Ministry Time. We think each and every Sunday the Lord is at work. But we try to set aside a second, the, the second Sunday to have a special time of prayer where we have people that are equipped to pray for you, all the pastors involved, so that you can come up and we can specifically pray for things. So we're going to do that today after. It's going to give us an opportunity to respond to the first commandment today, so it's special. But last Sunday, I talked to a young lady named Sarah in the bookstore long after the meeting had ended, and she was she was sharing with me just an encouraging testimony. And as I was talking to her after a few minutes, I said, wait a minute, I recognize you. 
didn't we pray for you second Sunday ministry time a couple months ago? Yes, which is a miracle because I never remember anybody. I, it's like she was as surprised as I was. And she was detailing answered prayer and she was doing a great job of it. She was describing how sermons, the Lord had used sermons and she saw that connected to the Lord answering prayer in her life. And she was sharing about one of these sermons. And I, I was looking at her like, yeah, I, I remember that sermon. And she goes, did you preach that sermon? I was like, yeah, yeah, I did preach that sermon. No one cares. <laughs> Hundreds of hours of work. No one cares. Actually, that's the highest compliment a preacher can receive. You don't remember. But you do remember what the text was about. And, you do, and God spoke to you, and it was an answer to prayer. So I commend prayer to you, and I, I commend the second Sunday ministry this morning to you. Finally, in response to the first commandment, we should thank God. We thank Him for what He's done. John Calvin, one of the reformers, said ungratefulness is the most hateful crime. The Lord blessed the Israelites with nothing less than salvation and deliverance. They should have no other gods. And they should be grateful. And they should acknowledge it. And it should be remembered for all time what he did for those people. He chose them. And we, we acknowledge his gifts all the good things that we have by giving Him thanks. We thank God for our lunch today because He gives us our food. It's, our food is sanctified when we give Him thanks because He's the giver of our food. For all the good things. This is, this is what it means to not have any other gods. Nobody else provided this. Nobody else delivered me. Nobody else has given me this food, my provision, all the blessings in my life, him alone. And I give him thanks. We, we had talked recently at a family night meeting about expanding our building. And recently sent a letter out saying, you know what? We looked into it. We can't afford it. And so what we're going to do is pay off the current debt. That's the advice we're getting. And we tried, couldn't afford it, so now we're going we're gonna to pay the building off. We have, our interest rates will go up in a few years, and so we want to try to expedite this instead of paying it off, and I think it was seven years, try to pay it off today. No. <laughs> Three years. That's Cornerstone Church, if you have your checkbook with you this morning. We're going to try to expedite that. Well, we have guys that are really good with finances that we thank God for. And so, man, they love a project like that. And they just went to work. And I was told this week, okay, we paid down our debt. So we had owed almost $2 million. 
they, they, because of cash reserves from people giving to the building fund we had built up, we were going to expand the building, they just paid down the note this week. So that we're not quite there, but almost at $1.5 million. That's a lot. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for all the jobs represented here. Thank you, Lord, for the folks that have a cheerful heart in giving to their local church. Thank you for providing this. I'm not taking an offering after this, okay? I'm just thankful. We were all thankful. I bet you're thankful. We received so much encouragement. You know, you would think some people would be unhappy we weren't expanding the building. No complaints whatsoever. We just heard encouragement. And we really appreciate that. It matters to us, the pastoral team. So thank you. But thank God. Wasn't that, this has been a fun week. I wanted you to share the joy. Clearly, you're not as excited as I am. But. <laughs> Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. You shall have no other gods before my face, in my presence, before me. The, the first commandment is transformed by the coming of Christ. This commandment is for God's people and it's been changed by the coming of Christ. If you don't know God in Christ, you don't really know God. The first commandment can't be obeyed unless we worship the one who alone shows us the one true God. He brings us into his presence. Ephesians 2, for through him we have access to the Father. In one spirit. So let's draw near. As the writer of Hebrews says. With a true heart. In full assurance of faith this morning. Let's draw near to him. And honor him. As our God. Your God. Let's count on him. Let's praise him. Let's trust him. Let's pray. Let's give him thanks. For his glory alone. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you for the first commandment. Lord, we are humbled by the first commandment. We are convicted by the first commandment. But we love the first commandment. We love your law, Lord. We delight in your law because of who you are. We see, Lord, the majesty of your law. It reflects who you are. So command away, Lord, in our hearts and in this church. In Jesus' name, amen. You've been listening to a message given by Bill Kittrell during a Sunday celebration service at Cornerstone Church of Knoxville. To find out more about Cornerstone Church of Knoxville, visit us at www.cornerstonechurchofknoxville.com or call our church office at 865-694-4356. We'd love to have you join us in our mission to treasure, grow in, and proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ.